In the name of Christ, who is our Lord, the Lord of St. Marcus, and the Lord of each of our hearts, yours and mine, my dear friends. Forgive me for being kind of a downer today, but this has been a pretty crummy decade so far, hasn't it? Wouldn't you like to just flush the 20s, reload and go back to 2019 and just say, let's try this again. This has been a hard three years. Man, first COVID comes around, ricocheting like an agent of death, sickening people, killing some, but affecting all of us. It just disrupted all of our lives. Can you remember two years ago in 2020, you couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't have church. Schools were shut down. Businesses were just terribly disrupted. It's been a crazy time. We're only slowly like crawling out of that hole. And COVID isn't gone, is it? We just have sadly learned we're going to have to live with this. This is now yet another thing to make us sick and kill us. If you're young, this is of no concern to you. But if uh, I've got some friends who are like in retire of retirement age and the recession that has trashed the stock market is really messing with certain people's ability to try to survive when they're not working every day anymore. It's horrible. Like it's like a third of equity values have just been wiped out since last August. What's going on? And we have we hit bottom yet? I don't know. It could get worse. What? And on top of that, in February, the Russian government tells the world, no, we're not. Don't be scared. We're just having a few little military exercises. We're not going to invade anybody, which was true uh, until they did on February 24th. And I got to tell you, on top of COVID and on top of the recession, the economic recession that is dogging us down right now, the hot war in Eastern Europe right now sits like a lead weight on my heart. And I am creeped out in so many ways. Let me count a few for you. For one... It's disrupted food supplies to parts of the world that really need it. The Black Sea ports were major movers of grain to uh, low-income communities in the Middle East and especially Africa. They were feeding much of northern Africa, and that food supply has been disrupted by about 75 or 80 percent. For another, you know that uh, Ukraine's population only numbers about 40 million or so in the 40 millions range. 12 million people have lost their homes. And half of that 12 million have actually had to leave the country. They are refugees. The whole country's life has been disrupted and just trashed. The shelling of civilian areas, the shelling of cities all over the east and southeast of Ukraine. There are Cities like Mariupol, for instance, of which 95% of all structures have been destroyed. The city has just ceased to exist as a city. was once one of the major ports of one of the major food exporters needed in that part of the world. And think of how many people are dying. Somewhere between one and 200 Ukrainians a week are being killed by the shelling. It's jaw-dropping, isn't it? And think of how many people have been wounded. They're like the living dead. Lost limbs have been severely disabled. What's to happen to them? When your city no longer exists, what can you come back to when there's nothing there? And when will this stop? This is like the financial meltdown. When is it going to stop? Will Ukraine's government have to surrender its unique position as a country in order to stop the killing? Will they be forced into the miserable choice 
of the slaughter of all their people or the loss of their independence as a country. Ukraine is in the United Nations. It is a country. This is heavy on me. Ukraine was a member of the United Nations, a fairly toothless body, apparently, where everyone's afraid to get Russia angry at you. Even the West is afraid of Russia's nuclear weapons. And so this brutal war grinds on. And I have no idea how long it's going to last. And maybe the worst of it all, it's not just the lies, but the injustice of an invasion of a peaceful, neutral country that was not doing anything to hurt you except to exist and show that democracy actually works. Reminds me of September 1st, 1939, where a big country, Germany, invaded Poland and simply trashed it and took it apart and forcibly occupied it with uh, its military troops. There is only one place that I know of to go. And for your encouragement today, uh, after that kind of sad buildup, I'm sorry to be such a downer, but you know, that's the world we live in. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. That's, that is our world right now. That's not the world how I would like it to be. It's not the world how it's going to be someday, but it's our world right now. And we got to look at it straight on. Don't pretend. Look at it straight on. We live in a broken world. It is never going to be repaired fully. It's never going to be fixed and righteous. But our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus first submitted and took all the abuse a sinful world could give him, was crucified, was buried, as you will someday be buried, rose again as someday you will rise again, and there's nothing humble about him anymore. When you think about metaphors for Jesus, is he a lamb or a lion? Which? Christ is your lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, which includes you. Scripture calls him the lion of the tribe of Judah, a roaring lion, ferocious in strength. It's one of those paradoxes. There I go again. Okay, it's another paradox. They are both true. Hang on to each one with one arm and hold them tight. Because both are true and both are needed, necessary for your life. Today, at a time as I am personally grieving over uh, COVID, which has disrupted and trashed the lives of people I love. In fact, one of our former principals at St. Marcus School uh, died actually last year of COVID, Dan Gartner. Many of you can remember the Gartner family who were great St. Marcus leaders in, back in the 80s. Uh, COVID is real. I'm grieving over the financial crash of the, of the equities markets, and the bonds aren't doing so hot either. Uh, but I'm also grieving over dictatorships of large countries, once again, trying to pretend they're an empire. Here is some encouragement to help us have a sense of gratitude today. Would you open your Bible with me to Revelation 19? St. John, through much of Revelation, had to look at a nightmare of dysfunction of human evil fighting against God and being rebuked and crushed and the sufferings that the church was going to have to go through. And it might look as though the church was going to perish because the forces of evil against it are so severe. And I, I got to think that Satan and his demons in hell right now with every new offensive 
uh, in eastern Ukraine. They're laughing. It's like an orgy of laughter and delight in hell, enjoying watching people kill one another. The book of Revelation in chapter 19 is a victory chapter. The first two-thirds of it are songs of triumph and victory of the saints and angels around the throne of God. Incidentally, it's the only place in the New Testament where you'll find the word Alleluia or Hallelujah, same word. Verse 11, the Apostle John, an old man in exile, suffering for his faith, sees heaven standing open. You and I can't see that. To us, heaven is closed. We can't see it, but we can see it through John's eyes. So look with me. What will you see there? What's the reality now? In our broken world, all we see is brokenness. But what John could see and what you and I can see is a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. I think you can figure out that this is Christ. What good names for Christ? Faithful, one who keeps promises. Not like somebody who says we're not going to invade right until the day that they do invade. His name is true. His words are aligned with truth, not fantasy and lie. With justice, he judges and makes war. We live in an unjust world, even our own land where we love America and are proud of it. And yet we know there have been many injustices in our country, and we, we work on trying to eliminate those still. There will always be injustices because people are unjust. His eyes, the eyes of this rider, are like blazing fire, so he sees everything going on. On his head are many crowns. It's not that they're like hanging off his ears or that he has three heads. No, the point, I think, is that his crown is like a wedding cake. It's got layers. He is the Lord of all heaven. He's the Lord of earth. And he's the Lord of all who are in hell and uh, put them there and imprisons them there. So he has lordship over all the universe, everything that was made. Uh, so he has many layers of authority. He has a name written that no one but he himself knows. We just were given some of his names and he's gonna, we're going to hear some more in a minute. What you have to understand is that the when the word name is used in the Bible, it sometimes can mean his proper name or a title given to him. But more often it means what is known about him, his reputation and his agenda. Like, what's he going to be doing? Now, that's true. You know Christ's name. I just said it. You know that too. But what you do not know is what he's up to. Man, I wish I knew what he was up to in Ukraine because I would like to see the day of the destruction of the invaders and oppressors. Uh, but I don't know, so only he knows what he's going to do and when. But what I do know is that he is robed in power and glory. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, possibly spattered with his own blood, which was shed for the sins of the world. But it may also be, this might be a reference to the blood of his enemies. For the Lord is not going to put up with evil forever. Right now, one of the things that makes tyrants so unjust is they think they're getting away with it. Right now, the leadership of the dictatorship in Moscow thinks that he's getting away with it. He got away with the invasion of Georgia. He got away with the annexation of Crimea. He thinks he's going to get away with the annexation of all or part of the rest of Ukraine. The Lord Jesus Christ begs to differ, and we're getting a look ahead at how the story is going to end up. 
His name is the word of God. And it's like coming out of his mouth like a sword. Christ's word is the exercise of his will in his mind. And his word translates it into action. The armies of heaven follow him, also riding on horses. This is, you know, imagery to help you imagine a big army. Uh, the angels don't need horses to ride on, and Christ really doesn't either. They're dressed in fine linen, white and clean, so this is, emphasizes their moral purity. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. It's going to happen. We just got to wait. He will rule them with an iron scepter. That's a quote from Psalm 2. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Last week we sang the battle hymn of the Republic. Remember I'm singing Julia Ward Howe's song? He is trampling out the vineyard where the grapes of wrath are stored. This is a direct quote from this passage in Scripture. And so that splattering all over his clothes, he is stomping on his enemies as though they were grapes in a winepress. And he was crushing the grapes to get the juice out to make wine. If you're maybe so used to hearing stories about Mr. Rogers Jesus, this gentle little guy telling people to turn the other cheek and be nice to each other, which is it? Is Jesus the kind and gentle teacher or is he an avenging king on a horse? Well, you know the answer, right? It's paradox time again. It is both. Hug them tight because they're both true. Do not let go of either one or you will diminish them both. They are simultaneously true. And you're having a look at angry Jesus right now. Don't water this down. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and stenciled on his right thigh is written King of Kings. Probably because maybe that's where he carries his sword. And this is stenciled on his scabbard where he holds his sword. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I'm finally now coming to my point. This gives me such gratitude and peace in my heart when I see the messes of our decade, but then I look at King Jesus on his horse with the angel armies arrayed behind him. It's going to be okay. It'll be okay. He let King Jehoshaphat be squeezed. And Jehoshaphat had to panic, and he thought this could be the end of our nation. Little Judah was being ganged up on by three invading armies. Oh, they were surrounded by a massive army of invasion. He thought, it's over. I will probably be dead by the end of today. And God said, no, that's not true. I haven't allowed that to happen. In fact, you're going to watch me in action. Take your positions, but just be quiet. You won't even have to pull your swords today. And God simply spoke that word. The one who was king of kings and lord of lords had in his mouth spoke the word and the enemies fell on each other and killed each other. And the, the Jewish armies went home. They plundered their enemies, and took all their stuff. And there were zero casualties for Judah that day. What? That's what our God can do. And when he chooses, he has answers for all the things that make us sad and afraid. And I want to give you encouragement. This is whom we worship. And he loves you and he knows your need. Of special need on my heart right now are all the members of the Ukrainian Lutheran Church, our Wells Partners. We planted that church 
with our ELS Evangelical Lutheran Synod friends about uh, four decades ago. And there must be like 20 or 30 congregations now planted all over the country, including Crimea. What's to happen to them? Have their congregations been disrupted? Have their buildings suffered from the shelling? Have their members all fled? What's this going to do to those congregations? There aren't any churches left in Mariupol, that's for sure. I don't know what's going to happen. What I do know is this is who's in charge. And I just feel an overwhelming sense of gratitude to know that those are the arms that are holding me and holding you, holding Ukraine, holding the people in our country, holding all the believers safe. And when he chooses, he will act, and it's going to be just. There will be justice. I celebrate that with you today. I am grateful with you. Amen. This message was a production of St. Marcus Lutheran Church. For similar content, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or our YouTube channel. For more information about how to support our urban gospel ministry in Milwaukee, please visit stmarcus.org.